Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the show. Uh, good Sunday morning. How's everybody doing out there? And, I, and for all of you headed to church, um, do me a favor. Say a prayer for uh, your boy. <laughs> it's been one heck of a week uh, in Florida, in North Florida, South Georgia. But uh, I always get to end it with you guys. So it it it, uh, it lifts me up, gases me up, and gets me ready for the week. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining this show today because, you know, I've been talking up my friend who took over Jet Magazine, the president, the new president of this iconic label, uh, coming back. Those of you who are, well, if you're of age, you have been going, you grew up with Jet. Many generations now grew up with Jet. And let's remember, Jet is a, a, a part of Ebony Magazine. Um, it's shown and known for its glamour and grit uh, and it's been doing that since November 1st, 1945 when uh, black entrepreneur John Johnson published the first issue, y'all. And as I mentioned, his sister publication, Jet, was founded six years after that. And today, we've got the brand new president uh, of Jet Magazine, uh, Mr. Dalen Goff. Dalen, you with us? Yes, I'm here. Glad to be here. Appreciate you uh, for reaching out, you know, just to be able to have this conversation. Uh, this is one of the earlier conversations I've had as far from a media perspective. I've just been on for a couple of months now, uh, but definitely appreciative of you you thinking about me so we can have this, this conversation about this iconic brand that I get the pleasure of leading. Well, it's very important, man. And a lot of, and, and w when it disappeared, and said goodbye, a lot of people were mm -hmm. like, oh my God, it felt like a part of your life was disappearing because you, you just look forward to it. So yeah. to, for, for this to come back and for somebody like you, who I consider representing what it what it should represent, right? Because the world has changed uh, since, since it left us. Uh, but before we get into that, I want people to know you. Tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to a career in brand marketing. I don't know, man. You got you got this much time. You know, <laughs> no, we, uh, we, well, listen, we got uh, as much time. We might not be able to play it all this Sunday, we'll, but we'll continue it next Sunday. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm long-winded, uh, as my wife tells me at times, but, you know, uh, just a quick synopsis. Um, I was born and raised in Kansas City, Kansas, um, which I always make that distinction because there is a Kansas City, Missouri, and a Kansas City, Kansas. And, you know, I was born in Kansas. And a lot of cases and a lot of times you'd be like, wait a minute, there's black people in Kansas? And I'm like, yeah, there are quite a few of us. 
and I am one of them. Um, and I'm proud of, of where I am from and what I've been able to do throughout my career. So grew up in Kansas City, graduated from some academy, um, which has a very historic significance as uh, one of the first, um, it was a black high school that then switched to an academy in Kansas City. And I'm super, super proud of that. Went to University of Oklahoma. Um, and I, Sooners. Kind of how we Those are Sooners, right? I mean, I'm a Sooner, absolutely. <laughs> and so you're a big Sooner, uh, man. You know, you're a huge Sooner. Yeah, I, I'm, yes, I am absolutely a big Sooner. Probably one of the the biggest ones that a lot of my friends even know. Um, but even that mode, we, it was in the the mid '90s where you kind of had this black renaissance of black students going to PWIs at that time frame. And so, you know, we had a strong, strong black population and a one that was very connected and cohesive. And we had black professors and, you know, so you had the resources of this big PWI, but you really had a great community. And I'm I'm super glad that I actually went there and went there at that particular time period. Um, and I make, met some great friends, met some uh, great associates there that I still connect with and and um, still speak with to this day. Um, well, and well, then when I left, I know, I know that you know the Sooners are you know your colors are like crimson and cream. Red is white. that is that crimson and cream. <laughs> <laughs> did did the colors did the Sooner colors have anything to do with you joining another or, uh, crimson and cream land crimson organization? Crimson. No, I knew I. I knew I was going to be a noob before I even went to college. That was just okay. it was understood. Okay. It, was, it was in the cards. But it helped <laughs> out, you know? You know, the wardrobe, um, as I look at my closet to this day, and, and I'll have to be like, do we really need more more red? Right, right. More? I'm like, I'm good. It, it works, whether it's for OU or for Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, which, you know, you know a little bit about as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, it yeah. all works out, though. That's right. I'm with you, though, 100%. <laughs> well, man. But, uh, but yeah, I went to, go yeah. Ahead. No, no. Go ahead, because you were you were. I, I keep I, I interrupted you when you were talking about your connection with uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, it, it, it's afforded some great opportunities. Um, but then I graduated from there with a degree in uh, management and marketing. So I had a business degree. Um, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, lived there for roughly seven years. Worked in radio. Worked in event marketing. Worked for the CIAA basketball tournament, so that was kind of my foray into HBCU life and really got a great appreciation of uh, HBCUs while living out there. And then one of my friends from college uh, who played for the Dallas Cowboys, a gentleman by the name of Roy Williams, actually pinged me to come back and help him out uh, with his um, foundation, which um, helped single moms and some of his marketing. So it really kind of gave me that opportunity to go into um, cause and event marketing. And that just kind of, from that moment, it really kind of propelled my career in Dallas. And then eventually, you know, through different executions and working for different companies, uh, got me to the point to where I'm at right now. Well, we're, we're, we're happy that you um, built the years of credentials to be able to qualify you for this because this moment, I think, is really, really important and incredible. And I, mm-hmm. and we'll get into, I think, what it means for, for somebody like me to see this brand come back. But, but what does it mean for you mm-hmm. to be president of this iconic brand? Oh, it's, it's 
it is one of those things to where I, and I've worked for major brands. Um, so I was head of multicultural marketing for an agency in Dallas that, you know, did the, the multicultural marketing for AT&T and State Farm and Frito-Lay. And even my one of my previous roles, I was head of marketing for Wingstop, which really, really tapped into a cultural uh, connection with, with the, the market. And so in doing that for those particular brands, and then to get offered this opportunity to do it for a brand that is ours. You, you mentioned at the beginning, there's a personal connection to the brand for black people in America. It was in all of our households. It was at grandma house. It was at auntie house. When you went to the barbershop, it was there. Like, so to be able to, to speak to my eight year old self who would go to the barbershop and you pick up this stack of magazines because you were just waiting there. Wasn't no cell phones, wasn't no iPads, wasn't no Game Boys. You didn't have any of that. That's right. You yep. just had to sit there and wait to get your hair cut and one of those things to pass the time. And even looking at it from the size of it, especially as a kid, it was a smaller size. So as a kid, my hands, it fit my hands a lot easier. So it made it easier to read. But that was something that it took me all the way back there. And to be able to say, hey, man, this kid from Kansas City, Kansas, you know, middle of the country that I now can be the person that helps bring back this brand to be able to be at the, the upper echelon of this brand. And in this year, I could have never fathomed that at that age. But when it came and the opportunity presented itself, it was one that I couldn't pass up because it was beyond even just a career move situation. It's personal. It's one of those things where how can I take all the skills that I have acquired over these past 20 years to be able to pour it in to something that is personally, that is authentically, excuse me, authentically black in this particular time period. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I received that, you know, and we talked just a few minutes earlier about the landscape being mm -hmm. different. And, Absolutely. you know, the landscape has changed. And, and since the founding of these publications, I mean, think about it, with print largely withering and, and digital publishing mm -hmm. being a game of impressions now. Tell us, though, mm -hmm. um, Dalen, how, how will JET rise to meet uh, the sociopolitical accountability? Well, we have to be able to, first and foremost, figure out ways to be relevant to an audience that may have heard about us, but may have not. You know, we have to look at opportunities, especially to get younger, to tap into younger audiences and figure out ways to be able to engage them in a very authentic way. So if you look at, and you talked about from a historic standpoint, November 1st, 1945 was the founding of Ebony. And then you have Jet comes around six years later, November 1st, 1951. And the reason why John H. Johnson um, even named Jet Jet is because it symbolized black and speed. And he felt in 1951, if you can imagine, that the world was moving at a faster clip than he had ever seen before. Right, and he right. needed to create a publication that was able to be fluid with that, that was able to move just as fast. So that's why when you look at Jet, Jet is a weekly publication and Ebony is a monthly publication. So when you look at Jet at Black and Speed, Jet, if we really break it down, was social media before social media was even invented. Wow, you know, I it hadn't was, thought about that. Know, that's that's an interesting way to think about this. Okay, keep going there. That Yeah, you, yeah that's true. It, 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 was, it was black Twitter. That's or, right, it was know, black Twitter. Twitter. So to speak. 
Yeah, you go to page 43, you have your, you know, eye candy from that perspective. You knew what music was the top music yeah. on the last pages. You knew what albums were the top 20 albums. You saw who got married. You saw, you know, what was going on in business, what was going on in politics. And it was able to be nimble in that way, in the same way that social media now, if something happened two weeks ago, that's old news. Very Where old. That's that right. Particular time frame. Yeah. You know, it was week to week. You had to be on top of the things that were happening, and from that, that positioning and being able to be nimble in that way, it started some things to happen. If you, you know, as you talk about the socio-political aspect of it, Jet Magazine helped fuel the civil rights movement by posting Emmett Till on the cover. Like if you really break it all the way down, that those type of decisions to be at that forefront, to be at the, the era of saying, hey, we're gonna take this, we're gonna push it out there because this is the audience that we need to see. So if you look at the parallels of an Emmett Till on the cover of Jet and a George Floyd on Twitter, like there really are some things that kind of tap into that way. So we have, this positioning that's there that, you know, we look at from a historic standpoint and figure out how we're moving forward. But I think one of the challenges that we are, as you talk about publishing in general and the shift from a digital perspective, we have Ebony as well, which relaunched about a year ago after the Bridgman family purchased it. And Ebony has had to be faster or just as fast as what Jet was previously. So how do we look at Jet, and this is kind of my role and my job in my first 60 days, of how do we look at the places and spaces where Jet can come in and fill the voids where Ebony isn't, and also fill the voids from a Black cultural standpoint to be able to engage the audience and get them activated into the fold, so to speak, of how we're moving Black forward. So, you know, we talk about the tagline of what Ebony is. Ebony is moving Black forward. That's yep. the mission. And the goal for Jet is to move Black forward with speed and purpose. How do we speed everything up? How do we do the thing? How do we tap into the places and spaces that we really want to, you know, take our culture and move it to, to the forefront? Well, I love hearing you saying that some of the historical traditions, well, in particular, there's one historical mm -hmm. tradition, and that is move black forward, right? I mean, uh, the Emmett Till mm -hmm. thing is just one thing, but but there were covers um, on Jet that that should that qualify for mainstream, but never would, right? Um, Jet Absolutely. and Ebony were breaking that, um, and but mm -hmm. I, you know, a simple question though is is you you mentioned the marriage announcements and the beauty of, <laughs> the beauty mm -hmm. of the week, and I mean. Is the new jet going to still do those things that we were used to seeing? That's what we're figuring out right now, because a lot of the things that we used to do is just normal on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. My goal is to, OK, where can we look at those places and spaces that we can be able to use the things that are at our disposal right now that weren't at our disposal previously? And one of those things is really from a technology standpoint of how do we marry the cultural significance and brand equity and brand credibility of what JET is? How do we marry that with what technology offers us and being able to tap into those parts of it? And then also, JET really is more, as you talked about the marriage announcements and the thing, it's really community-based. It's almost crowdsourced and crowdfunded. We find out what everybody is doing 
beyond celebrity, beyond all of these kind of, you know, things that we kind of get attracted to? What are the everyday people doing and how can we be able to amplify those things to be able to put it out there? So that's where we're we're in the, the stages of putting those things together to be able to say, okay, where are we right now? How can we empower, how can we fuel the audience in order to be able to move Black forward with speed and purpose? Because the people have to do it. And that's really where historically it was one thing, but how can we activate that? So I've been using that line, fueled by jet, uh, just kind of the play on the, the jet fuel parts of it, but it's a reality. Jet fueled the civil rights movement, jet fueled social media. How can we use jet to fuel the future? Yeah, I love that, man. And, I, and I'll tell you, there's much competition now, right? And at a, at a time when mass culture and mainstream publications are sort of hyper-focused on amplifying diverse voices, um, yeah. it, it gives you, you know, there's some competition out there. I, I wonder, Absolutely. do you feel like there is a way for Jet to set itself apart in sharing the black experience? Well, I think one of the things we have that a lot of the other competition don't have is 70 years of credibility. Mm. I don't need, I mean, this weekend, as I was um, in Atlanta, I went to this event called CultureCon, um, ended up running into our frat brother, uh, Dre. The mayor, um, the mayor. The mayor <laughs> of Atlanta. Um, and it's one of those to where I was walking around with a shirt. I had a t-shirt, I mean, a sweatshirt on that I went to a black embroidery shop and was like, hey, I need you to make me up a shirt that just has jet on it. And, you know, I'm just walking around with that. And you would be so surprised if people just like, oh my God, Jet, Jet Magazine, man, I remember Jet. And then I'm like, you know, so where, where'd you get that from? I was like, well, I had it made. I'm the president of Jet. Oh man, <laughs> oh man, it's, it's like that connection, that brand equity, just from that, even though, you know, Jet has been gone for a little while, once people saw that, that script, logo that kind of that paintbrush and looked at it it brought everybody back and it's actually kind of funny um when i talk to people and i tell them what i do no matter what there's a few things they ask about they ask about page 43 jet beauty of the week that's right but they also then immediately tell me what i should be doing for my job you know what you, <laughs> should do, you know you should print this out and you do this and it comes from friends it comes from strangers it comes from i, I was saving that i, I was saving that. that for the end of the show i, I had my own suggestions oh. <laughs> <laughs> i am so used to it um but it is one of those because people have an emotional connection to the brand um, I equate this type of scenario in a different sense, but it reminds me of when I was at the University of Oklahoma, I was a DJ and everybody knew me. You know, I went to class with everybody, you know, but that was my job. I DJed all the parties. And what would happen is people would come up to me with their requests. It'd be early in the party, you know, and they, somebody, it'd be 20 people there and they'd be like, you know, hey, Dalen, can you play back that thing up? And I'm like, of course I'm going to play that. Like, it's only the hottest song that's been around for the last <laughs> few years. But right, right. I'm not going to play that with 20 people here. Like, let me let me take that, curate that information. Or if somebody, you know, come in with a bad idea, it was a girl that would always say, 
can you play Luther Vandross if this world were mine for me? And I'd be like, I'm not playing that. Like, these are 20-year-old college students in the 90s. They're not trying to hear that. But thank you for your input. But when I would play something that someone suggested, and you could look in their eyes, they're like, I told him to do that. I did that. Now, the reality of it is, you know, I'm the only one here in charge of curating this experience and getting paid for it. But at the same time, good information can come from any source. And I take those things into account. And then I use my skills that I've garnered over my 20 years of experience to be able to say, how can we formulate this to be able to get the mass appeal that we need and to be able to do the most good and how we can be able to build and grow and move black forward with speed and purpose. So that's kind of my role is just really taking these emotional connections that people have to the brand and being able to say, all right, let's lean on that. But how do we take that and build and build to be able to do the things that we want to do? Man, that's exciting to have such an audience. You know, I mean, just an automatic audience out there and just trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how you how you capture their views of of Jet Magazine, right? And listeners, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Dalen Goff, who is the new president of the iconic brand, Jet Magazine. You all know it and remember it. And God, if you're like me, you miss it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm feeling feeling really good about this. Um, Let's talk about the community before we we let you go, man. Um, And I know we may have already talked about that without talking directly about it. Uh, Jet was a community magazine, as you well know. And, you know, there's a lot of media out there gaining impressions from black culture uh, without necessarily giving back to the black communities. Uh, How do you see Jet sort of influencing and giving back to our community uh, as, as we move forward together? Well, I think I touched on it a little bit just talking about the technology parts of it. Um, we recognize and understand there is a huge technology divide. And my, my thoughts are how can we be able to take this brand and this brand equity and be able to marry that with where the you know, technology is going? You know, you hear stuff about crypto and NFTs and DAO and all of these parts of it. And it's like, well, do our, does our community really understand that? How can we use kind of what we have and leverage that to be able to bring it to the forefront and be able to explain it so people understand what's going on? And then once they understand, what can we do to provide the opportunity for ownership? I think that's the biggest thing that's happening right now and the huge shift from a cultural perspective, um, especially from a young, younger demographic. They don't want to see it. They don't want to hear about it. They want to do it or they want to own it. Like that's the reality that comes from it. And so that black ownership and figuring out ways to be able to, you know, articulate that, to support that, to push that, to amplify that. I think that's where the great opportunity is for a brand like ours to be able to tap into that space. Um, to be able to really, really kind of push that part forward. Because if we're able to own what we have, then nobody can take it away from us. That's a lot of times the frustrating part from people. They're like, we create culture, it's culture, it's all about that part of it. And then you don't have nothing to show for it because you don't own it because somebody else takes it and runs with it. It's like, no, 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 let's figure out the ways that we can be able to provide the ownership. If you look at our our ownership group, so to speak, the the, uh, Bridgman family, 
you know, made their money really about owning things. Okay, I'm not going to get an endorsement deal from a Wendy's. I'm going to own the Wendy's. And then I'm going to own a hundred of them. I'm not going to get, you know, an endorsement deal necessarily from like a Coca-Cola. Can I buy the plant? Can I buy the, you know, uh, franchise that comes from it? Like looking at it from those type of perspectives and being able to take that and then being able to, instead of just, you know, doing something with somebody else, then we can own it and we can employ other people. Cause that's really from a future forward standpoint, where we need to go and the direction we need to do. And hopefully we can be able to fuel that through Jet. Well, listen, on this Sunday, that's our prayer. <laughs> exactly what, <laughs> what what you just said. And and let me say this too. This is this is where I go mm-hmm. into uh, asking the DJ for this for my song. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I, come with it. <laughs> I hope that you will spend a lot of time talking about black generational wealth. I hope that you'll spend some time talking about the wealth gap and the wealth disparities uh, between black families and white families because uh, it's going the wrong direction. And it's going the wrong directions for a lot of reasons, but 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 we got to we can only deal with what we can control. And so one of those areas is um, how we prepare for passing things on from one generation to the next. The, the simple answer is, as a, as a collective, we don't. We don't prepare. Mm-hmm. We have uh, our mm-hmm. families, our black families think, think that only rich people who have a lot of things need to worry about what happens to their things afterwards. No. Listen, it doesn't matter how little you have or how much you have. If the next generation that you're responsible for has to start over and over and over, then... We will never have generational wealth. So I hope you all have spent some time talking about that and, and, and educating folks on how you need to pass down the things that you have garnered, pat, prepare for your afterlife so that the wealth passes on. And hopefully they and you teach that so that the next generation does the same. And before you know it, uh, you may have a lot to dispense with and liquidate. You never know. But that's how that's how they do it. And I'll tell you, you and I kind of crossed you and I kind of crossed ways in Atlanta last week. Um, But I tell you, and hopefully my other thing is, you know, there's some brothers down in Atlanta, Paul Judge and 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 some guys Mm -hmm. uh, with the gathering spot. You know, you may have seen that. Greenwood. I'm a a member. I'm a Uh, member there. There you go. Ryan the other day. Talked to Ryan Uh, the other day. We're looking at hopefully. Yeah, we're trying to get a presence there Um, just because Atlanta right now is the center of black culture. So we've been in talks just figuring out how we can be able to put some some roots down in Atlanta, which was the reason why I was there. Um, But I just think you bring up a great point of figuring out the ways to not only teach, you know, not only tell the stories, but to teach and show. Um, Our chairwoman is Eden Bridgman, who is the daughter of Junior Bridgman. It's taught. It's like, no, this is our company. We purchased this. We're putting you into place and passing those things on are so necessary. And we have to be able to put things in place to allow us to be able to do that. Well, listen, Dalen. Play my song. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I got you. you Thank know, you, man. Thank you. 
thank you and congratulations, man, on this on this what I consider to be a journey. Uh, I, I think you're going to do amazing and, you know, tap into uh, all the resources that are out here. Add me to it. Um, we just want you to be successful. And uh, I don't know when I'll see you again. Maybe the Red Red River Rivalry or something like that. We can we can uh, find some time. You no, know, I'll be there. You know, <laughs> we'll find some time yeah, to meet there. I, I just my wife was just uh, putting together the calendar, and she had that first week in October. And it's like, well, should we go on vacation? I was like, uh. Uh-uh. I can't go nowhere. That that circle, you know better than that. So, uh, <laughs> and she's, you know, she's a Tennessee grad, uh, so we kind of go back and forth from a college. Oh man, man, but no, I, I appreciate you for reaching out just for us to be able to have this conversation and kind of being in in my corner. I I tell people all the time, my goal is just to make you proud. I want to make everyone proud. This is including myself, including my eight year old self. That's the reason I took this role in being able to do it. It had that personal connection for me. And I just want to be able to do right by my culture that has given so much to me. So I I am thankful to be here in this position. Now it's about going out and doing the work and making it happen and bring it to life so that everybody is proud. All right. We're going to leave it there, y'all, with uh, Mr. President, Dalen Golf, And y'all follow him on social media. Check him out. I know, I know, I know. But I love it. I love it. Uh, Y'all follow him on social media. uh, If if you're on Instagram, it's everybody loves Dalen. (laughs) I love it. but follow him. He's on all the mediums, y'all. And uh, follow Jet Absolutely. and order the subscription. Do whatever, whether it's online or coming in the mail like it used to. Uh, let's get let's support um, this publication because it's us. Uh, stay with us for a short Pittman point right after this. Dalen, we love you, brother. It's time for Pittman's Point on 96.1 Jams. Welcome back to the show. And for today's Pittman Point, we are going to take this time, y'all, to remember a legend in Tallahassee. A few weeks ago, our community lost a giant in Mr. Delmas Barber, a longtime community leader, a public servant, um, and a friend. Delmas was known by everyone for his kindness, enthusiasm, and infectious personality. In these seemingly difficult days, y'all, the world needs more people like Delmas Barber. Uh, We need more acceptance. We need more happiness. We just simply need more joy. And Delmas embodied all of the best things about uh, what a community uh, represents. And he was a true champion for everyone who calls our community home. We will remember Delmas fondly, and he will be sorely missed. Uh, if you did not know Delmas, man, you missed knowing one of the best guys, one of the best people you could ever, ever, ever want to meet. Um, if you did not know Delmas, seek out someone who could be a Delmas in your life because you really, really are missing out. He will always be a part of the fabric of our community, and we are forever grateful uh, to have known him, uh, to his family, uh, the Barbers, and those of other last names, uh, and those who are just friends who called him family. Uh, Our condolences are with you, but know we loved him too. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.